Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for the way people worshiped in this place today, God. We praise you. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus that never loses its power, God. It reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives us strength from day to day, God, will never lose its power, God. And we're so grateful, so grateful for that, God. And Lord, I know you have something to say to us, God. And I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. You would change our lives through the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that you're making your people strong. God, you're making them mighty and where they can do exploits in these last days, God. And we praise you for that, God. We thank you, God, that the remnant is strong, God, that the remnant, God, belongs to you, God, and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it, Lord. Thank you that you have a mighty church, God, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, God. And Lord, I'm grateful that we are part of that, God. Make me part of that remnant church, God, that you come for soon and very soon, God. We love you. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you got your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 14. A lot of prayer needs. Uh, got uh, one or two sick uh, this morning, and uh, so uh, Jan and David text, and uh, one of them had a migraine, so we want to pray for them uh, at this morning and check on them, and then also several traveling. I know probably uh, Terry and Natalie are celebrating their marriage uh, anniversary, and uh, they're uh, they're away for a getaway for to celebrate that, and so I'm sure they're watching online. And then also Raymond and Brenda are traveling to the West Coast on a long journey, so pray for them as well. And uh, I know there's others that we need to pray for. But uh, anyway, if you got your Bibles, uh, go. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Oh, my. Okay. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. God is working. Uh, also pray for the people in Maui. Far worse than we can imagine. Steve and... Uh, Laura have uh, relatives there that actually lost a home, and so uh, uh, know a lot of people are uh, displaced and distraught. Do what now? Oh, it's unbelievable. I, it doesn't get much news coverage because of all the brainwashing and propaganda that we have to feed ourselves, but, uh, but Maui is in a bad way, and so we need to pray for the people of Hawaii. Uh, there's still lots of wars going on in Syria. Uh, in uh, Ukraine and all around the world, much going on that a lot of times doesn't make its way into the news. And if it makes its way into the news, most of the time you're not getting the truth of what's really happening in those places around the world. So uh, just know that as you dose on that. The best place to go dose on the news of the day is right here. Right here, and, uh, and this will get the best truth you need and also build your faith in this last hour. So, uh, but I want to talk to you today on kill the boar. 
Kill the boar. Kill the boar. And uh, uh, so let's pray. Father, one more time, we thank you, God, and we just pray that you would just bless this time that we have together. Speak to our hearts and change our lives, God. Even those listening online, God, touch their hearts and uh, draw them closer to you, Father. We love you. Bless our children that are upstairs. And God, all of our people, God, thank you for the church of Jesus Christ, God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Kill the boar. Uh, How many has ever heard the uh, phrase, don't give place to the devil? Ephesians, right? And uh, and, and so uh, what does that mean? We're seeing a lot of... uh, a lot of teachings today that are, uh, are, are not good teachings coming out on a lot of things. And I see a lot of the body of Christ really frantic about a lot of different things. And uh, one of these is in this area. Uh, now, don't, don't get me as I, uh, uh, because we combat a lot of these things today, it, it, don't come under the assumption that, uh, that I don't believe that someone could be, uh, that, that doesn't know Christ can be demon-possessed or that we're not dealing with demonic powers or, or that sort of thing because that's far, far, far from the truth. But we have a lot of false, bad teaching out there on these subjects today that, that, that come with like every time we sin that we're handed over to demonic powers. Like every time you commit one sin, like I'm opening a door to the devil and like the devil can get in and come in and ravage me. And that's the type thinking we seem to have a lot of people operating under. A lot a lot of fear and a lot of uh, almost uh, magnifying the devil more than we're magnifying Christ. And I want to show you some things about this today. I want to show you what Christ ha- has, has gained for us. And I want to show you that you can derive your confidence by simply knowing and understanding that you belong Belong to Jesus Christ today. Belong, or the word that we'll use today is abide in. Abide in the vine. And if you belong or abide in the vine, if you are united with Him, if you are, if you are joined to Him, you're going to find out that you can't be ravaged as easily as you think. Now, if you're, if you're playing with unconfessed sin, I'm not talking to the game player. I'm not talking to those people. I'm talking to, to people of God right here today that are in Christ, that you are in the vine, then uh, I want to show you the power that, that, that is there for us that are abiding in the vine today and, uh, and the, uh, that what is there and what been available to us through Christ. So if you got your Bibles, turn to John 14.30 and let's read down through uh, verse 11. Uh, we're going to start in John 14 and I want you to understand the setting changes but, but, uh, the, the, uh, the, the content doesn't change. Just because they put those nice little numbers there doesn't mean it cuts off the thought or the idea in this passage. And that's what generally happens when we move from another chapter. Often we think that everything, the whole thought is changing. It is not changing here. Jesus is about to go to his death and he is getting up and he is about to, you want to see him preach something. If you want to know what he preaches right before he's about to die, He's got something very important to say to his disciples. So he's getting up right here, and he's headed to his death. He's headed to go die, and he's about to preach them something very, very important. And he's not changing his thought when he goes from chapter 14, the end of chapter 14, to chapter 15. He says this, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has no claim in me. 
Isn't that awesome? Isn't that good news? He has no claim in me. He cannot touch me, right? So go to the next verse. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go up from here. He's headed. He's about to head to his death. And he's going to start, it's going to shift over to chapter 15. And we're not, we're changing settings. We're walking down the Kedron Valley. We're going to different places now. And, and into the Garden of Gethsemane and other things are going to happen. But this is still the same thought. We change setting, but the same thought. I, he's preaching to them something. He's preaching to them something that they would have known from the Old Testament was mentioned very often in concerning Israel. And he's about to say something to them about Israel failed in this, but I am the true vine and I'm not going to fail in this. You failed, but I will not fail. And he's not putting them down like, oh, shame on you. He is saying something to them to say, don't worry, I got you covered. I'm the true vine, and and listen to what he says. And my Father is the vine dresser. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now listen to what he goes on to say. Already you are clean because the word that I've spoken to you. You're clean. If you're in me and you're in Christ, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Now look what he goes on to say. Abide in me. Remain in me. Stay in me. Stay connected to me. Stay united to me. Stay married to me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now look what he goes on to say. I'm the vine. You are the branches. When you look at a vine and you look at branches, do you differentiate the two? They're all one thing, right? You don't try to separate them out. We're not God, but we are connected to God. And when the two are joined together, there's the, you, you, don't, you don't count them as two different things. They're joined. They're united together. You see one thing there. You see a, a vine and you see branches, but you consider it one whole vine that's there. I am the vine. You are the branches. Who Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Look what he goes on to say. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And so you prove by bearing much fruit that you are my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I love you. Abide in my love. Rest in my love. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. There's a popular preacher. So the question again. Do you constantly have to search for doors and windows in your life that you've left open? Do you constantly have to be looking and finding a door or a window or a crack that you left open and shut that thing or you're going to be possessed or you're going to be ransacked by Satan? 
That, that, that's the question. Don't open the door to the devil. In other words, if I sneeze wrong, am I going to do something that's going to... Because I, I know a lot of Christians like this today. That they're constantly nervous that every time they stumble, every time they make a mistake, every time they sneeze wrong, that, that the devil's invading their life and they've got to find the right door or the right window that they've opened. And they, they've got to shut that door because they've given access or place to the devil in their life. Now, can you give place to the devil in your life? Absolutely, you can give place. And we'll look at that here in a minute. But I want to talk to you about some of the things that are out there today. And one is through a preacher that I heard uh, tell about another preacher and it led me to what this preacher is teaching out there and he wrote a blog that, that is called this and I want to hear I want you to hear there's some truth in what he says but there's a lot of things that that concern me deeply in what he says and this preacher wrote an, a blog called three main doors to demons and he lists some of the access points and and here I want to read exactly what he says in this he's a famous YouTuber YouTube blogger and 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 has all kind of things and I have a problem with his teaching. It says uh, because because what they're doing in most a lot of this teaching is they're making the devil bigger than Jesus and I have a real problem with people making the devil bigger than Jesus. And here's what the the preacher says can gain access again. Here here's what he says, and these are what I have concerning this particular person. He says demons can gain access into a Christian's life through the bloodline of one generation to another. He says a person may be born with demons and they can be embedded into your DNA, into your blood, and into your system. And he says this is why certain diseases and cancers might run in families and why certain behaviors run in families. He says the demons can be inherited through unwanted, unplanned pregnancies? That's just not true. And that's what's being taught out there to many people today. He says that demons can be inherited through gender disappointment, referring to parents. Uh, he says that, uh, that, that uh, finding out that they have... Are, uh, here's what he says. This is, this is quoted. He, he says that demons can be in, inherited through gender disappointment. In other words, referring to parents finding out they are having a boy when it should have been a girl. That's crazy. The disappointment can create demonic access to the baby in the womb. He says demons can invade through moments of weaknesses. And this is the one that scares me the most. He says moments when you even feel like you have, have had enough and snapped may be used by the enemy as an open door. Do you know what that means? That means every time I have to drive to work now on I-65 that I'm embedded by demons because when somebody gets in the slow lane and is driving in front of me, I about lose my mind. But that's what's being taught. That's what's being put out there by so many people today. And we read this, this passage of don't give place to the devil. And people are taking scriptures way out of context. Paul, when speaking about this particular scripture, was talking about that in the community of believers like this, when we fail to love one another, that's what he's writing in the context. you got to read scripture in context. And he's taking the context of saying, 
when we all fail to love one another and when we choose to live dishonestly with one another, and then you are giving Satan the opportunity to come inside of our unity here and our love with one another and you're giving him the power to exert his influence over the community of believers. That's what he's writing there. He's not writing every time you have an unwanted pregnancy, every time you make a mistake, every time somebody gets over you in the slow lane and walks in front of you and you lose it, that you all of a sudden are giving place to the devil and the devil is coming in and out of your life at will like willy-nilly and like crazy. That is not a statement that is saying every time you sin, you open a door to the devil. If so, then the cross of Jesus Christ has not done its work and that is a distortion of the gospel of Jesus Christ itself. Does Jesus does not abandon you to demonic powers every time you slip and fall as a Christian. I need to say that to a lot of people. Jesus Christ does not abandon you to demonic powers every time you slip and fall as a Christian. If that were the case, the cross of Jesus Christ is a sham. It would be like you were having to be born again, 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 all the time. Jesus' sacrifice is so powerful and so complete. What was done on the cross of Calvary for your behalf is so, so complete that it actually does the opposite. It actually frustrates the devil now when he watches you fall and realizes that he cannot have right over your life. He does not have legal access to you now every time you fall and fail and make a mistake. Amen? And so we got to get away from minimizing the cross and elevating demonic powers to these terrifying positions. Now if you're not in Christ today, you ought to be terrified by it. Because you can be controlled by it. You can be possessed by it. But let me ease your mind. Individuals are not at demonic risk of Satan invasion because of individual sins or circumstances beyond your control. Let me say that because this is happening to people who are tormenting themselves and they shouldn't be tormenting themselves. Individuals are not at demonic risk of satanic invasion because of individual sins or circumstances beyond your control if you're a believer in Jesus. Jesus Christ. Now, as I said, often we, we, and what I'm talking about is things like saying uh, you have a demon embedded in your DNA or your blood system because of an unwanted pregnancy. That's bad theology. That is bad, bad teaching right there. And, 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 uh, and, and we're going to give, that's evidence that these people do not understand what it means to abide in Christ. Now, as I said, in the subject of chapter 14, it's still being carried over in the chapter of 15. He does not, he changes the setting, but he does not change the idea of what is being said right here. Jesus is carrying over this idea that he is the true vine over whom Satan has no power. I am the true vine over whom Satan has no power. Come on. I am the true vine over which Satan has no power. Power. And, and, and he says to these guys, get up. 
We're going to my death. But do not think for one minute that my death means that Satan has power over me. In fact, it is the opposite, guys. I am undoing the power of Satan on that tree. And when I go into that grave and when I rise again, that is the thought he is saying as he says, get up. We are going. I am the vine. You are the branches. I am the true vine. You failed. But but, but don't worry. I will succeed and because I succeed and you are in me now you will succeed now you have my power now you are joined to me now my life becomes your life my victory becomes your victory my power becomes your power where you came short now I will come through and so now I am going to my death but don't think for one minute that Satan is gaining power because what I am unpacking to you is how Satan is losing power and how I have authority over him and every demonic principality on the face of the earth. And so he walks to his death and he begins preaching, I am the true vine. And that's a very important imagery to these people. It might not mean a lot to you. It means a lot to Israel. Because if you go into the Old Testament, it constantly talks about Israel being the vine. You are the vine, Israel. I planted you. And I planted you for a reason because I wanted you to flourish. And I wanted you to grow. And I wanted you to be beautiful. And I wanted you to glorify me. But you became an unfruitful vine. You became a wild vine. You, you became ravaged. You, you, you turned away from me. You turned to sin. And there's all sorts of places in the Old Testament that talks about Israel and the vine. And they're all amazing. Go do a study on it. But Psalms 80 is the one that parallels this instance, I think, more than any other. Because in Psalms 80, there is an important passage about Israel being the vine and it gives us some great insight to what Jesus is saying in these very passages and I want you to look at verses 8 through 18 because it's this idea of Israel being God's vine but now the son of man is going to come and redeem the vine. He's going to redeem what we messed up and what we could not do and so all of a sudden he, he, he says I'm the redemption of your failure. I'm everything you cannot be. Where you could not meet God's expectation Israel or Gentile I will meet God's expectation I will meet them in perfection I I invite you now because of that to come into my perfection my perfection I invite you where you do not measure up I invite you to come into me because I have already measured up I have measured up perfectly and the father is well pleased with me and so so we don't have to wonder how he feels about us because now we know how he feels about the son. The son of man has redeemed. Hey, we, re- we were a ravaged vine. We were, un- we, were, we were not what we were supposed to do. But God says, in me, in me, you have my perfection. In me, you're complete. In me, you are whole. So I am the true vine that has come to redeem. And if you belong to me, if you are joined to me, if you are in me, then you are accepted with God just as I am accepted with God if you are connected to me then you are connected with me as much as I am connected with the father all of my life is your life 
All of my power is your power. If you're connected to me, all of my victory is your victory. Psalmist says this in verses 8. Look at what he says. You brought a vine out of Egypt. They're talking about the, uh, the, the Israels, Israelites. You drove out the nations and you planted it. You cleared the ground for it and it took deep root and it filled the land. Look at the next verse. But let your hand, here's what he says, but that vine got ravaged. But look at this, what he gives us the insight of exactly where Jesus is going back to as he's walking on that road and beginning to preach to these people. You were the vine, but you failed. But wait a minute, I'm the true vine. And this is what he's preaching. And he's saying, if I'm going to my death, don't worry, because this is what did the fulfillment of all this is happening. I am fulfilling it. The true vine has come. And I'm telling you, I'm coming to make everything fruitful. I'm coming to make everything complete. I'm, everything in me is going to have victory and be whole. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand. The right hand is the hand of authority and the hand of power. God says, but let your hand. This is what I'm going to do for you, Israel. This is what I'm going to do down in verse 17. You were the vine. You failed. But hold on. I got a seed coming. I've got something coming. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself then we shall not turn back from you give us life and we will call up on your name prophetically he's writing we we you were the vine but you failed we have given you every right to abandon us to our sin but someday you will raise up the Son of Man. And He will be everything we cannot be. He will be strong on our behalf. He will keep us walking with God. It's not us that will keep ourselves walking with God. It's not our promises. It's not us trying to be a better person. It's not us coming to church. It's not us reading the Bible more, or praying more, and studying more. No, He will be strong on our behalf. And He will be the one who keeps us walking with God. If you're connected to the vine, He is your strength. He is your power. He is your source. Now listen, commentaries, when you read about Psalms 80, you can find a lot of stuff, but one thing you cannot find, and I didn't learn this myself. I learned this from a preacher that I love to listen to, but you cannot find verse 13 hardly from any commentaries anywhere. They just skip over it. They begin to tell you all about this passage and about Israel being the vine and about the Son of Man coming, but they skip chapter 13 and or verse 13 and verse Verse 13 is one of the most important things that there is that right here. Look at what it says. The boar from the forest ravages it and all that move in the field feed on it. The boar from the forest ravages it and all that move in the field feed on it. Now this is where the connection between the defeat of Satan and Jesus being the divine comes into play. Look at what it says. The psalmist is saying here, he's reflecting on the failure of Israel to be the people of God. And he says, the vine was so abandoned. He says that it's being now ravaged by wild beasts and boars and demonic powers, right? It's so abandoned. It's, the hedge is down and it's so abandoned that, that wild animals, hogs are some of the, boars are some of the most 
vicious wild animals there are. I mean, they just tear up everything. They just literally, I mean, you get them in your backyard and they just tear the yard up. They're just wild. They're just, they just do all kinds of things. And here's what he's saying here. John 14 and 15, he said, I'm so much the true vine that the boar cannot touch me. It touched you, but it cannot touch me. I'm going down this valley and you think that I'm going down there and Satan's going to ravage me, the true vine. You think the boar is going to come into the field and he's going to tarnish this vine but you got it all wrong I'm going into the field and I'm going into this place and I'm going to die and I'm going to be buried and I'm going to raise to be raised on the third day and I'm going to destroy every principality and power and ruler of darkness I'm going to triumph over them and no boar can ever I'm killing the boar no boar can ever ravish this field because I am the true vine and you if you are connected with me you are the branches and and if you are in me, the boar can't touch you either. He's telling the disciples in John 14, 30 and going into the 15. I'm so much the true vine that the boar cannot touch me. He has no power over me. The boar that was able to ravage your testimony cannot touch the testimony of Jesus Christ. It cannot touch the name of Jesus Christ. I've killed the boar. I've slain the wild beasts in the field. I mean, you read the Gospels and we see that this is true. You just simply go down and you see where all these people are trying to deal with the boar. And they're trying to deal with these things in the gospels there's magicians there's people with incantations and spells trying to cast out demons the son of man comes on the scene and what does he do immediately he walks into places and he begins to say in the name of Jesus come out and all of a sudden these demons and these manifestations they're, they're going they're fleeing left and right because he has power over principalities and powers and rulers of darkness he killed the wild boar in the field and he has the power and the ability under like what we have to cast out demons and cast out devils. Amen? Now, He gives us power to do those things, but it's Him. And Jesus would simply speak. Listen, and just like He spoke the Word into the universe, and the universe came into being. This same God who spoke, let there be light, now all of a sudden now speaks to demoniacs and they, and they become free. He starts speaking to the darkness and telling it to go. And Israel, the unfruitful vine, was ravaged by the boar and the beast of the field. But Jesus, the true vine, slays the boar. It slays the beast. Israel, the unfaithful vine, was ravaged. But Jesus slays the boar and he destroys the power of Satan. And if you're connected to him then why do you live in such fear why do you live in such fear if he triumphed over the boar and has power over the boar and slain the boar why do you live in such fear you you, you do not get an open door to the devil in your life unless you're interested in hiding sin that, 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 but if you are not interested in that, then, 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 you, then you, there are no doors that are open. He shut them at the cross of Calvary. And you are absolutely, the only door the enemy can get is the one where you believe his lie. 
It's the lie that you put faith in when he tells you that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't care, that you're possessed, that, you, that you've opened the door and you've got to go find that door, that you got this generational curse and that generational curse because you were an unwanted pregnancy and these kind of foolishness and you believe the lie. Tell the devil where to go. He's a liar. The truth is I belong to him and he ravaged the boar. Jesus' death sealed the enemy's doom. Jesus is is contrasting his perfection with Israel's failure and with our failure. And he's not doing it to shame you, but he is inviting you into wholeness in him. And when Jesus says, I am the true vine, it's the same thing as him saying, I am everything you cannot be and I'm happy to do it for you. I am everything you cannot be and do, and I am happy to be it for you. You don't know how to love? Well, guess what? I will love through you. You don't know how to treat your wife and love your wife like Christ loves the church? Well, guess what? If you're connected to me, I will love through you and help you and cause you to love her like Christ loves the church. You don't know how to forgive? I will flow through you, and it will be my life inside of you that has the power to forgive you don't know how to quit mourning you come to me and I you stay connected to me and my life and my love and my power and my mercy and my grace will flow through you my healing and you will turn that mourning into dancing amen Christians are attached to the true vine We're united with Jesus. When you see a vine in the branch, you see one entity. Right? Again, we are not the vine. We are not Jesus. But we are connected. We are united. We are one plant. And we are drawing His life. We are drawing His power. We are drawing everything that we need from Him. And you do not distinguish a vine and a branch as separate entities. They are one plant. They're united to God. The church is one with Christ. We are His body. We are united to God. It's His delight to make His power yours. It's His delight to make His life yours. It's His delight to make His victory yours to us. And and, and you have to do nothing to win it for yourself. It's like this. It's like the Super Bowl next year. And let's say, Jacob, I'll tune up right here when I talk about the Super Bowl. When I talk or a Georgia football. It's like it's like the Super Bowl. And it's like this. The Super Bowl, Jacob, if, if those guys go out and they look like crushed knuckles, I'm not going to say Alabama or, or college football because y'all are beating my team right now. But, so we'll say the Super Bowl. But the Super Bowl, it, it, they go out there and they crush uh, knuckles. They, they bleed on the field and, they, and they, they, they go through all of this pain and through all of this misery. But guess what? Those when they get that check, when they get that fat check, guess what? The wife who never went through one lifting of weights, one yelling match on the field, never put in one sweat or one blood drop, that wife gets the same benefit. She gets the same check as her husband. In fact, she may walk up and take it out of his hand and thank you, thank you, sir. She gets the same benefit, not because she did anything, but because she is married to him, connected to him, united to him. 
That's what, that's what more than a conqueror is. What's a conqueror? Evander Holyfield. Mike Tyson. Evander Holyfield, you remember it, maybe? The fight, the training. Evander doing all kinds of crunches, sit-ups, all these things. They meet in the ring. They get in there for a few minutes, and what happens? Crazy Mike Tyson bites his ear off. They bandage it up. He gets back in the ring. He fights some more with everything he's got. And at the end, they raise his hand, and he is the conqueror. He has won the match. And guess what? He won a big match because he got like 30-something million or maybe more than that dollars. Jesus Christ is the conqueror. You know how he became the conqueror? He went to the cross and he took our sin upon upon him. Everything that hell had to throw against humanity to take us captive and make us lost forever. Jesus Christ, your Redeemer, goes to the cross and he dies a cruel death. He is buried. He's raised from the dead. He redeems mankind and says, anybody who wants to come to me, I will in no wise cast out. You can come out from under the clutches of that slew foot, that snake, that low life. You can come out from under him and you can come into my kingdom again because I am the conqueror. Well, you know what a more than a conqueror is? More than a conqueror is Evander Holyfield's wife who did nothing. And when they, like I said, give him the check for the 23 million, she walks over there and says, I'll take that. And we are more than conquerors because everything that Jesus won at Calvary is ours now. And you are foolish if you don't take it. Everything he gained, that's more than a conqueror. You are not just the conqueror. You're more because you didn't have to do anything for it. He loved you so much that he conquered everything and he is joined to you and he's married to you and he invites you to take it and it's absolutely free. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's because you are united. You don't get the victory because you deserve it. But because of who you belong to, you are married to Christ. It's because of who you belong to. We, we, are, we are fed and enlivened by Jesus. We are fed and enlivened by Jesus the way the branches are fed and enlivened by the, by the vine. Our identity and our confidence are derived from His perfection and not our performance. Let me say that again. Our confidence, our identity and our confidence is derived from His perfection and not your performance. From His victory and not from your feelings. In Christ, your family history has no power to ravish your life anymore because Jesus killed the boar. And if you are in Christ, the boar has been killed. The boar has been slain. You are drawing life from the vine. The boar has been slain. So in Christ, your blow-up moments have no power to ravage your life anymore. 
In Christ, your blow-up moments on I-65 have no power to ravage your life anymore. Just because things in you that need to be dealt with and need to be repented of does not mean that you have blown it, that the door is wide open, and that the victory of Christ has been done, and that the boar is now alive again and can come in and ravage you and take from you and do everything. You stand before God as a son and daughter, and you are only now dead dealt with as a son or daughter this is where some of you need to get this today if you any man is in Christ he's a new creation she's a new creation old things have passed away all things have become new you stand before God now as a son or as a daughter and you are only dealt with as a son or daughter you do not stand before God as a judge anymore Let me say this. You do not stand before God as a judge anymore. Judges hand down sentences to punish for crimes. Your crimes were, if you accepted Jesus, your crimes were dealt with at the cross. He paid your crime. He paid your debt. He paid for your sin. He is not standing before you as a judge anymore. He judged you in Christ and found Christ guilty and found you clean and innocent. Well, about three of you are glad, like good news for about three of you. Y'all look like you're at a funeral, man, some of you. Some of you look terrible. Jesus, I'm going to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, you're ravaging some minds. The, the enemy's ravaging some minds here. They look miserable. God, they look like they don't even want to be here. They look like they hate the, 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 the life and life itself. You are the vine and we are the branches, God. This is good news. This is glorious news. This is great news, God. Lord Jesus, God, help us today to have the joy of the Lord as our strength, God, and as our victory, God. And if we need something from you God Lord then help us to come today and to receive and not leave this place the way that we came God let bitterness be gone Lord let anger be gone let malice be gone let resentment be gone Lord let unforgiveness be gone let disappointment be gone let let, let, let hurt and strife and, and hatred be gone Lord out of our hearts and God let there be a clean way so that we can heal hear the name of the Lord and the, and the, and the, and the word of God today Lord and Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You stand before God as a son and daughter. And you're only dealt with as a son or a daughter. Judges hand down sentences for those who punish crime. But the price for your crime has already been paid. All the anger of God's heart against your sin was poured out on Jesus and it is gone. He has no anger in his heart remaining towards you. When you sin, please get this theology correct. When you fall, he does not deal with you now as a judge with a criminal. He deals with you as a father with a son or as a, with a daughter. And what that is called is chastening you. He chastens you as a father would chasten his son. When you fail, when you make a mistake, when you sin. And guess what? We will sin again. I know I hate to bust the self-righteous bubble because it used to bust mine too. I will fail again. 
I don't want to fail again. But I will fail again if I stay in this body long enough. I will fail. And, and, and I'm so thankful that now He doesn't charge me as a criminal because my sins are under the blood and because I've confessed my sin. And if you've confessed your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But when you sin and when you fail, He deals with you as a father, as a son, as a father does to his son and as a daddy does to his daughter. And He will come after us and He will chasten us and it's out of a father fatherly heart and hear this listen to me it God's chastisement in your life will always be in proportion to your stubbornness God's chastisement in your life will always be to the level of your stubbornness in other words he's always going to begin with just a little prick of the conscience just a little pain in the heart when you sin He's going he's to deal with you lightly and gently and say, Brad, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have gone there. You shouldn't have done that. And he's going to deal with you that way. And if I continue not to listen to him and to remain stubborn, it's going to get more severe and more severe and more severe and more severe until he gets my attention. He chastens us out of a fatherly heart and, 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 and it gets stronger when we don't respond. And it's not the price being paid for the sin that I committed. It is a chastening. It's not a judge to a criminal. You are attached to the vine by your confidence in Him. The boar is dead. So don't go around looking for open doors and windows unless you know you have given reason for them to exist like willfully hiding sin or playing the Christian game, then you are open to demonic oppression. The boar is dead. So let's abide in the vine. Father, we thank you, God, that the boar is dead. We thank you that the boar is dead. We thank you that you are the true vine. And you did what we could not do. And you don't condemn us because of that. You came willfully, happily, doing for us what we could not do. And where the boar and all the enemies were coming in and ravaging our field, Lord, you went in and you slew the boar. And you slew the giants. And you slew the enemy. And now they have no place or authority over you they can't come into your field they can't come they can't they cannot they, they cannot uh, tarnish the reputation of the true vine they cannot come in and destroy the true vine because you took care of the enemy on the cross you 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 stripped him of his power making an open show and a mockery of him and now the only power he has is what you've allowed him to have for a time to accomplish your purposes here and God uh, when it when it gets time and when you decide it's over it's over and you will you, you 
you, will, you, you have already triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. And you are already King of kings and Lord of lords. And so God, that is something that we have to celebrate today. We can celebrate the fact that we are in Christ and His victory is our victory. And His, His righteousness is our righteousness. And His power is our power. And because we remain in Him, we will. If we remain in Him, if we stay united to Him, if we stay joined to Him, we will bear much fruit. Much fruit, God. That you have, you, you will cause us to bear much fruit, God. And do in us what we could not do ever, ever in and of ourselves. And so we thank you for that today. God, but secondly, there are people here today, God, that maybe they've been living in fear, fear that God is going to turn them over to Satan every time they keep slipping up, God. And you do not want people to live with that kind of thinking any longer, God. You want people to know that, God, that they are safe within the vine. You want people to know that, God, if they are you truly your children, God, and that they, if they do something, God, that you're dealing with them not as a criminal, but, God, you are dealing with them as sons and daughters, and you will chasten them, and you will correct them, God, even with a rod if necessary, and you will bring us back, God, into the right place with you, God, because that's how much you love us, God. That's how much you've gone to, 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 to uh, the lengths that you will go to, God, the, to bring us to you and, and to cause us to be uh, everything that you want us to be, God. You that began a work in us will perform it and carry it on to completion until the coming of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that so much, God. We praise you for it and we love you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.